This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening so that you can get notified as soon as the new episodes are released. Dr. Hang Tran, who herself is an obesity specialist, is here with me to share her story about her struggle with obesity. Dr. Hang is both certified in obesity medicine and family medicine. She also minored in nutritional sciences and toxicology in college, and she's here to talk to us, of course, about her freshman 15 experience. She's a marathon enthusiast and a firm believer in nutrition and fitness to attain wellness and to prevent chronic medical conditions. She's currently based in Orange County, California. Welcome, Hang. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So, yeah, we had discussed a little bit about your freshman 15. Do you want to tell us how your weight became an issue for you? Sure. So just a little background, you know, when I was in high school, I um, I was always sort of like a thin person at 5'1". I was um, 105 pounds. And um, so I was very active. I played tennis. In college, um, when I started college, it was just the stress of starting a new college, being pre-med and having excess food in the dining halls. And it was, you know, all you can eat buffet style and the lack of physical activities. And so because of that, during my first semester, I actually gained 15 pounds, hence the freshman 15. Everyone around me uh, gained, you know, about similar or more. So I didn't feel it as a problem until I went home to see my family during the holiday around Thanksgiving. And I remember at that time, it, was, it wasn't it was just family members, but also my neighbors, you know, they questioned and they asked about my weight and they were very frank about it. It's like, hey, you gained weight. What happened? Oh, are you pregnant? And at oh one point, I was even called a pig because of this weight gain. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think overall, I would say weight or, you know, you can call fat shaming. It's rather prevalent in Asian American culture. And and I knew at the time I didn't tolerate it, but it's it's a cultural thing. And so everyone would be talking about it. You know, my friends certainly experienced this, too. And at that time, it did bother me, but I didn't let it affect me too much because I knew I would lose the weight. I just didn't expect for it to take so long. And in my case, it actually took me three years. Oh, wow. Did you try anything before you finally got success? You know, I I try a lot of different options that were available at the time. And this was, you know, talking in 2003 when nutrition wasn't very popular, but I was lucky enough to take nutrition classes. And um, so I study about it. Uh, I remember at the time I kept a food diary. So I would log down all the food that I would eat. So throughout the day, if this list keeps growing, I would tell myself, okay, you got to stop eating. But I wasn't like, you know, very exact with the number of calories because there are certain food that have calories, but other food, I couldn't figure out the calories in there. 
and I knew that you know I shouldn't eat more than two thousand calories a day. Um, I try stop eating past seven p.m. So I would brush my teeth, you know, knowing that I would I didn't want to brush my teeth again. Yeah, I remember actually my mom telling me, um, you know, when I was a kid that you should just brush your teeth because that changes the taste in your mouth and you wouldn't want to eat anymore after that. Oh, okay. For me, it was just, I was lazy. I didn't want to brush it again. My teeth <laughs> I again. see. <laughs> um, and I stopped drinking soda, actually, um, because I, I used to use soda, you know, to help me study. And I, I cut that completely. Um, at the time, the Atkins diet was very popular. So it's more a low-carb diet. I tried for a few weeks. You know, I would say overall, all of these attempts I did, I wasn't very consistent with my food diary and I wasn't, um, and I, I was also, you know, stress eat, you know, like thinking like I need to eat, you know, in order to fuel my brain so right. I can study. And what ended up happening was I ended up eating a lot of unhealthy snacks. So um, mm. all these attempts didn't really help me. And so that's why it took me longer to lose weight. Do you think you were seeing it more as a diet rather than a lifestyle change at that point in time? You know, at that time, yes, I definitely saw it more as a diet. But as I progress into my study for nutrition and I start hanging out with friends who were cooking and they just made some awesome gourmet food that it became more of a lifestyle. You know, I, I had friends who were vegans and vegetarians. So it was very common for me to, you know, it was easier for me to eat healthier food. So it became more of a lifestyle because of my peers. And then because of your education in nutrition. Yeah. And how much did you end up losing finally? And how long have you kept it off for? You know, I would say I actually, I did lose all my freshman 15 oh, and wow. I've kept it off for 11 years now. And I'm happy to say, um, you know, I, I can't donate blood. Obviously you have to be at least 110. <laughs> so I am <laughs> for right now, I cannot donate blood. Oh. <laughs> um, but how did you do it? For me, it was making smarter choices about my food. Um, you know, it's so what I learned from nutrition early on, I, I knew that, you know, if you eat a lot more carbohydrates, you know, the, the hydroxyl groups attract the water. And so, you know, although people lose weight when they're on a low carb diet, initial weight is water weight. So I did try that a little bit with, you know, not eating as much carbs. Um, but I also switched to the healthier carbohydrate options such as quinoa, um, whole wheat, wild rice, barley, you know, pretty much from the white rice to the healthier carbohydrates with lower glycemic index. So sort of the slower carbs rather than the fast carbs. Yes, exactly. And um, I exercise more, I start cooking more food and I, you know, I would buy groceries and, and cook. Yeah. Yeah. For our listeners, the slower carbs are actually more complex carbohydrates. So they would be unprocessed grains that would be digested more slowly compared to the processed grains or the processed flours that you would use. Yes. And how long have you maintained your weight loss for? Uh, you know, I maintained for 11 years now. Yeah. And now this is your new lifestyle and you've, you're happy with it and you're, you're maintaining that? Uh, Yes. You know, it's, and I would say it's a lifestyle because I don't have to think about it. You know, like I, the changes I made over the years of, you know, switching of not eating white bread and white rice to the healthier complex carbs. It, for me, it's, it's more automatic, I would say. I, um, although I'm getting comments from my families that I'm not Asian anymore because I don't eat white <laughs> rice. <laughs> Do you create the white rice? No, I don't. You know, I, I do not crave it at all. I um, It's funny, my fiance loves white rice. And so he has his bag of white rice. I have my bag of brown rice. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, you don't crave those. Um, I'm sure you have some cravings. 
Oh, I do. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, you know, on for the most part, I, I have cravings for healthier food, but I also have unhealthy cravings too. And I give in to them, you know, I still have cravings for French fries. Um, oh, I like wow. the five guys, French fries and Cheetos, um, the flaming hot. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you were telling me that you had convinced your um, office staff to start eating Cheetos. I I did. I convinced another um, <laughs> colleague who he was a collegiate tennis player and he grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So didn't really have Cheetos. I think it's more of if you grow up in like the southwest part of the U.S., you know, Texas, California, Nevada. But yeah, I convinced him and I got him into eating Cheetos. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> 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 what what would you say were the key factors in your success? For me, um, so a few things, I would say the knowledge that I gained from nutrition. Um, I also took exercise physiology. So I learned about, you know, the micro macronutrients, the complex and simple carbohydrates, um, and then the role of aerobic exercise. And um, especially because aerobic exercise does reduce fat mass and body mass. And I... Um, I had fitness coaches in running and tennis, and those people really inspire me to stay physically active for life. And I would say this, you know, for someone that comes from a family that no one plays sports, no exercise on a regular basis, I do run, you know, one to two marathon a year. And it's oh, wow. something new that I didn't necessarily learn from my family, but I learned from fitness coaches. How, how important do you think were these coaches in your way to success or in your path to success? Definitely, they're very, very important, especially if for me, you know, like I said, growing up with my family, not playing sports or emphasizing exercise, um, having people that really inspire me and know where I start and help me get to a different level, you know, being there part of the journey really helped. Um, I know, remember one of my running coaches, he passed away, but he, when I first joined running in high school, he and I was very frustrated because I was behind with all the cross country people. Um, but he was like, you know, just just focus on your personal record, your PR. Don't focus on anyone else. And so that really helped me because when I first started off, I was very slow. But, you know, towards the end of the season, I was able to run faster and I, I would break my record, my PR every time. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I myself have struggled with, uh, you know, the thoughts of having a coach because it's not it's not cheap. Yeah, it's to not. have a coach. So I've always struggled with this thought of whether to hire a coach or not to hire a coach. And I've never been able to justify the cost. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say I I didn't have that one-on-one -on -one fitness coaches. The, the ones I've had were in team settings. So it's kind of a share cost. Um, what I did have that's a little in a smaller team setting, um, I did Orange Theory, which is more high intensity. And I, I found that helpful. And I did that um, about a year, a year ago, um, because I think those people really push you and challenge yourself where you wouldn't challenge yourself as much. And they can correct I, your form yeah. too. And that's, that's really important because sometimes I thought I'm doing my push up correctly, but I realized I'm not pushing all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's important to have people that correct your techniques. And I think it's also important to have someone who would hold you accountable. Exactly. So I think you, whether it's in a group setting or you have somebody coaching you one-to-one, -one, regardless, the accountability really counts. For sure. Yeah. So what do you think was the biggest struggle that you faced in your weight loss journey? 
you know, I didn't know who to go to for help. And I remember trying it on my own at that time in 2003. Google was still picking up some traction. And I was very frustrated not finding, not fitting into my clothes and, you know, looking at different options on how to lose weight. And I not finding that many options, you know, besides studying nutrition. And the other aspect was I, I didn't have good time management. You know, I, I didn't make the time to work out as much as I do now. And did you have apps like MyFitnessPal or Noom and lose it at that point in time? Or you were just manually noting down all your calories every day? I was writing it down on a piece of paper. Oh you my know, God, I'm sure that must have been a challenge. I remember that. This is 2003 to 2007 when I was in college. So oh. the smartphone was coming out in 2007, I believe. <laughs> iPhone. Yeah, I, I <laughs> lose track of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I know they had a website before the app came later. I was just curious if you were if you were using the website, um, or just pen and paper. Wow, that must have been difficult. Yeah. How, I, how were you figuring am, out the calories for each food at that point in time? I was only looking at the food label, but the things I cooked, I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't that easy to figure it out. So it ended up just being a. A list of food items, the things on the yo plate or bag of chips, things like that, I can write them down. But anything that I cook or prepare, I couldn't figure out the calories. You can figure mm. out. Yeah, it's very difficult. And uh, how do you manage your food cravings now? You had mentioned <laughs> you're, you're a big fan of Cheetos. How do you manage those cravings? I still eat them in small portions. You know, that's one of the key for me. I, I give in and I, you know, I would redeem myself by eating more fresh produce, you know, fruits and vegetables to redeem myself. Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that everybody has these cravings. And weight loss journey is a continuum. It's not black and white. It's not that you've had something that's not good for you and that's the end of your journey. It's a continuum. So even if you do give into your cravings once in a while, you can always make up for it the next day. As long as you don't keep repeating it, I think you should be fine. Yeah. What role do you think exercise played in your weight loss journey? I would say exercise play a very significant role in my life initially with the weight loss, but later on it's more, you know, maintenance uh, of weight loss. And, um, but exercise now for me, it's, it's more for my wellness than anything, especially endurance activities. I love them. I usually go on a run before um, a holiday meal because I know holiday meal tend to be buffet style. So usually before Thanksgiving and Christmas um, lunch or dinner, I, I usually go for a run so that way I can enjoy my food more. When it comes to eating well, what are your top three recommendations? My top three. So I have this little acronym, ATM. So A, um, you know, for me, activities do help. I, I I have to emphasize, although, you know, it is, we are asking about eating well, but you have to pick an activity that you enjoy, whether it's walking, swimming, running, biking, anything. Um, because once you do the activities, you enjoy food in different way. Some people will say that makes them eat more and they're very hungry. But, you know, it you you change the way that your your muscles you know store energy and use the energy so it's it's very important to have activities in there t is for talk you know i recommend talking to someone it could be of your primary care physician registered dietitian fitness instructor or even obesity specialist talk to someone to help you feel you know less frustrated so that you know at least you're not alone and that you can be confident to really change your weight trajectory and that you can make a huge change in your life and then lastly is very important mindset 
be very curious about different food options, even if they're outside of the food that you grew up with. So I, I you know, mentioned how I grew up eating, you know, more of the Asian cuisines with the white rice. Well, you know, I don't need to eat white rice for the rest of my life and I will be okay, um, you know, because I know there are other grain options. You know, for me, it's the quinoa, barley, whole wheat, couscous. And um, eating well can be done on a budget. And I've seen people who, um, you know, are concerned about costs. And it, it is a very valid concern. But you do have to realize that, you know, some what I did when I was a college student, I was broke, but I, I had to learn to eat well. So you just have to be very creative of, you know, where you go grocery shopping. And, you know, actually the fresh produce, the fruits and vegetables tend to be more affordable and nutritious than the processed foods. I think there are two aspects to eating well. Uh, like you would mentioned, one is eating more produce. Now, it may not necessarily be fresh because we do realize that there are certain areas, quote unquote, called food deserts in the U.S., where you may not necessarily have access to fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. But in those areas, you would still have access to frozen vegetables, which are equally nutritious, if not more, compared to the fresh produce. And oftentimes, the frozen vegetables that you would get are cheaper than the fresh produce. Uh, the other aspect is also about exploring different things and how you can incorporate that into your own culture. For example, you had mentioned using quinoa or even using, say, cauliflower rice. You don't even need to eat white rice or quinoa. I don't prefer the taste of quinoa, honestly. I think it's a little bitter. So <laughs> I prefer yeah, cauliflower rice, which is really nice because I can substitute the white rice for cauliflower rice which mm-hmm. is, again, available fairly easily. You can find it in the frozen section. And it is much more nutritious than your white rice. Yeah, cauliflower rice is amazing. I remember eating it, yeah. So you can really incorporate that. And it, it's, it has a bland taste. And you can incorporate it into almost any dish that you want to make out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about getting a little creative with what you do and whatever resources you have. I, I think those are the two two aspects to this as well. What do you think? I completely agree. You know, I I used to volunteer at a Native American reservation outside of San Diego. And I remember talking to the uh, Native Americans there that the nearest grocery store is 50 miles away. And so for them, you know, fresh produce wasn't an option. So when that's not an option, frozen food can be, you know, uh, a good alternative um, where I'm living. I'm lucky that I have, you know, good access. I have a lot of ethnic grocery stores as well as organic and non-organic grocery stores, you know, whenever I need them. But when I'm on a road trip, in a place that, you know, in more of the uh, food desert places that you mentioned, I actually do buy frozen uh, vegetables. Yeah. And you can buy them in bulk and you can store them in your freezer. Yeah. As long as you have electricity, yeah. I think you should be good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you have any last tips for our listeners, um, Hang? I would say, you know, for anyone going on a weight loss journey, I recommend that, you know, try try on your own first, you know, see if you can get some results. This, don't feel like you need to make fast results within a week or two. Again, it took me three years. So, but just make small little steps. I was going to say <laughs> it took three years. 
So people have to realize that it doesn't necessarily have to be in the next one month. Yes. Yeah. I would say make a good effort, you know, maybe in the first few months, um, you know, give yourself about three months, but do put in the effort. You know, I tried back then, but I didn't put in that much effort. But if you're not getting the results, please see a professional sooner rather than later, because it is so important, you know, during this pandemic, but also just like a lifelong thing to prevent from getting chronic conditions. I personally view weight loss journey can be like running a marathon. And I believe anyone can run a marathon and anyone can lose weight, you know, if they put in the effort and, you know, seeing professionals to help them. And I will be at the finish line and, you know, hand out your medal and then we'll just continue running marathons after marathons to maintain this weight uh, loss. (laughs) Yeah, it's so important to understand that sometimes uh, doing it yourself may not really help you that much. And you may need help of professionals just like yourself to help in your weight loss journey, especially with medications or surgeries, etc. And I believe you're starting an obesity medicine practice, right? I am. I am. Do you want to share with us a bit about it? Sure. I am planning to start a telemedicine business focusing on weight management. So I've been doing it for four years, helping patients with weight management, whether it's starting medication or not. But um, the ones that I follow for a long time have done very well. Um, and I can tell you some of the results of my patients have gotten. Uh, one patient actually did not go on any medications, but were a period of one year with me, he, um, you know, went from not walking because of his back surgeries and knee pain to, um, you know, he started off with swimming and slowly work his way up to walking and then power walking, but he did lose 50 pounds. And the best compliment he got from his wife was um, he's having a neck definition again. Another patient of mine, 40-ish year female, body mass index of 37 when I saw her with hypertension, but she has like amazing A1C for, you know, the hemoglobin A1C. It was like 4.5 and no, everyone looks at her like, well, your body mass index of 37, how could you have an A1C of 4.5? And, um, but it turns out she actually eats very well and she does walk 10,000 steps a day, which is about five miles, but she just could not lose this weight. Um, So I start her on medication and she's been doing remarkably well, so much that the bariatric surgeon refused to see her. Because she, you know, um, she fell below the line. She, 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 she went off the cutoff. She, she didn't, uh, yeah, because she didn't qualify for the surgery. She anymore. didn't qualify for her surgery anymore. She went to like body mass index at thirty three. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's it's really amazing to, you know, help people, and it's it's something that I've, you know, I I also have another patient who, and this this makes me think a lot. You know, he he said. Every day I wake up and I want to be in a different body. Or no, he said, I wish I was in a different body. And it, it's it's very depressing. And it's, you know, he's in an area where there are no obesity specialists to help him. And he I, I was doing a locum job at this location and and I helped him during my time there, but he needed to lose the weight before he could have his knee surgery. Wow. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I, I find it very gratifying to help people lose the weight because although people can say that obesity is more something of a look, but actually obesity is the underlying cause for so many different chronic conditions that we see and that uh, if we can address this from a prevention standpoint, we can really help people. I agree. And it is a chronic disease, as we know. 
And I think it needs to be recognized as such as well. Uh, so, Hang, do you want to tell us how people can reach you? Yes, they can reach me either through LinkedIn or Instagram. Uh, I am in the process of creating my own website soon. I'll post that on my LinkedIn and Instagram when that is ready. Great, great. Yeah. I think that's all we have time for today. Listeners, if you like today's episode, please drop us a review or a comment. Tell us what you loved and what you would like to hear in the future. Do subscribe for more fun and inspiring episodes like this one. I am looking for more inspiring stories like this. So if you have one to share, please email me at host at decodingobesity.com. Thank you so much, Hank, for joining us and sharing your Freshman 15 story. And thank you everyone for listening in. I'll see you all next time. Thank you, Avishkar. Thanks for having me here. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.